You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou art. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Blessed Christ, our God, in this season, we gaze upon you in wonder, for we gaze upon you in humility, in a manger, bearing our human nature in poverty and indignity. Bless us, Lord, as we contemplate the great mystery of your humility, your divine humility, that we should be humble too, and submit ourselves to your word, allowing it to rule in our lives. Grant our insights to be faithful and led by your spirit and our obedience the same. This we ask in your most holy name, for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Amen. In the fullness of time. So our reading from Galatians begins today. And the fullness of time is something which the Bible is big on and something which we are not big on. Americans, as a culture, are wonderful at recognizing that if something's worth having, it's worth working for. If it's worth having, it's worth fighting for. We're not especially good at recognizing that if something's worth having, it's worth waiting for. We are ambitious people and set out to do our own thing at our own speed. And we're not especially good at waiting. But this language of in the fullness of time, which is repeated again and again throughout Scripture, is something which the biblical languages of Hebrew and Greek are better equipped to communicate than our own English. The more words you have for something, the richer the detail you can bring to describing it or analyzing it. I, um, I have two phrases for the brain the brain, and gray stuff. (laughs) But a good friend of mine from high school is literally a brain surgeon. She trained in Austria under some of the top brain surgeons in the world um, and is an absolute phenomenon. Um, She has hundreds of words to describe the brain and all its little parts so she can do the work that she does. She needs to be able to describe the brain in far more detail than I do as a mere pastor. Most of us know that the Aleut people from uh, Alaska have over 40 words for snow, a third of which are simply to describe its color. Snow dominates their lives, and so they want to be able to describe snow in a detail that 
I don't need to as a central Pennsylvanian because for me it's just something I need to shovel or have snowball fights with my teenage son. <laughs> well, Greek doesn't go into quite as many, much detail as hundreds of words, but it does have two words for time, this language of the New Testament. We have the word chronos, which means clock time the time that all of our clocks are set to, and the time which moves ahead, as um, one philosopher said, one darn thing after another, that's time. But it also has the word kairos, which means God's time. And this language, the fullness of time, what St. Paul is trying to communicate here is um, what in the early church they called paideomia, or rather the, full, the absolute perfection and fullness of time. When the time was just exactly right, God sent his only son that we might become adopted, heirs of his eternal kingdom. Today we see two heroic saints in the New Testament, Simeon and Anna. And each of them have been waiting a profound and long time for, for the fulfillment of God's word. Simeon, we are told, is blessed by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's been so earnest and so devout in prayer that he's become aware of the Spirit's movement in his life and he's become aware that he will see the Lord's promised Christ before he dies. And he lives in such expectation of that happening that when Mary and Joseph walk through the doors for their purification, a woman was purified 40 days after um, having, giving birth to a, a son, as you can find in Leviticus 12. As she comes through the door, he instantly recognizes this is the fulfillment of the promise that God has revealed to his spirit through the Holy Spirit. Equally, Anna, we're told she's earnest in fasting and prayer. She has been at this, she's been widowed since only seven years after her marriage. Most women married in their mid to late teens at that time. So for some 60 odd years, she has been without the consolation of a romantic attachment in this world and has spent all her time in the temple, every free moment that wasn't simply devoted to the basics of living life, fasting and praying earnestly that God might save the people. They've been waiting for God's great gift in Christ because they know it's something worth waiting for. I was very proud of my children um, on Christmas Day. We had a Christmas Day service in here. I've always liked to do that um, because my mom was an emergency room nurse, and uh, once we reached a certain age and she didn't feel like we needed to do all the things that you do with little kids on Christmas Eve, she would volunteer to work for the other nurses who had young children, so they could be home with their children. Um, and um, because of that, I've always wanted to have a Christmas Day service because I know that there's people, our first responders and, and people who just have to work on Christmas Eve and can never come to worship. Well, usually, the ritual in our home is that we would 
do the stockings, then come to worship, then go home and open the presents, which is, of course, what they're really looking forward to because that's where all the big ticket items are. Um, but this year that didn't work because Grandpa was staying over, and so we couldn't get everyone through the shower in time. And so my kids didn't get to open any, even their stockings, they didn't get to open or, or un, take out things out of their stockings until uh, afternoon because um, we had a wonderful family here that, that needed extra time. We had, we had fun talking with them, and it was great. Um, so I'm just was so proud of my kids at 14 and 16 that as anxious as they were to get to those stockings, they were, um, they were wet, ready to wait for the sake of someone else. They thought that was a worthwhile thing. But something I couldn't appreciate when I was a kid and something that they can't appreciate yet is what it's like to be on the other side of the gift-giving. A couple of years ago, I went through a really tragic situation with the church I was serving, and we came to Christmas time, and I was, I was uh, running and serving a church out in State College. I was driving back and forth uh, every Sunday, um, and it, it was just... It had been a hard year for our family. We were actually living in the basement of my father-in-law's house. And what we decided to do that year was, was take some of our precious savings and give them something really special. My kids had always been told they would never own a video game, ever. We really just didn't want them to get in the habit of always doing this whenever they had a free moment. But that year, we decided to, to, to surprise them and we, we bought a, a game console. And we saved it for the last present of Christmas. And so they'd gone through and they'd gotten things and, you know, they have, they have a, a, an aunt and an uncle who don't have children of their own, so there was still plenty of gifts. And, but they, they'd gone through everything and they were ready for it to end and they open up the last gift that was addressed to both of them. They open it up and they, their eyes got big and they just got silent for a second. And then this, there's this rapturous whoop! <laughs> And they started marching around the house yelling, best Christmas ever, best Christmas ever. <laughs> Which was, of course, exactly the reaction that mom and dad were hoping for. And that we'd sat on that present for several months. We'd hidden it away, and we couldn't wait for them. We were more anxious for them to open their presents than they were to open their presents. And if Anna and Simeon had been waiting a lifetime for God to fulfill his promises. Think on the centuries God has waited for that fullness of time to reveal his greatest gift to the world. The fulfillment of the promise first given to Abraham in the book of Genesis. The revelation of his son and the great joy that it will be for all the peoples as the angels proclaim to the shepherds on Christmas night. If we ever get impatient about waiting for God, we should think on the impatience He has for us to see the fullness of His salvation, to see the riches of His grace, to see the height and the depth and the length and the breadth, as St. Paul says of all he wants to give us now that we are inheritors of his kingdom. And thinking on that, we should trust in God 
to fulfill his word when the time is full and persevere in our fasting, in our prayer, knowing that his fatherly heart is to give us all that we would desire, but he must give it to us when the time is right for our sake and the sake of the world around us. A man who learned the value of that perseverance was William Wilberforce. If you don't know his story, um, I encourage you to rent the movie Amazing Grace and, and watch it. William Wilberforce was the man who was instrumental in overturning the slave trade in the English Empire in the, in the 1800s. In the early 1790s, after 10 years of fighting against the slave trade as a representative in Parliament, he was deeply, deeply discouraged at the lack of progress he had made. He went home and opened up his Bible, just looking for some kind of encouragement. And out fell a letter that the late John Wesley had written to him. John Wesley, if you don't know who that is, he is the founder of Methodism, a great evangelist and preacher in his own right. Um, and here's what that letter said. Wesley wrote to Wilberforce. He said, unless the divine power has raised you up, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing that abominable practice of slavery, which is the scandal of religion, of England, and of human nature. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Oh, be not weary of well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of His might. John Wesley was already dead when William Wilberforce read those words in the early 1790s. In 1833, Three days before he was to die, William Wilberforce was informed that the votes were counted and the Abolition of Slavery Act would pass. Like Simeon before him, he labored long and in prayer. Like Anna before him, he waited for God to fulfill his promises at the perfect time. And he persevered in his prayer and in the work God called him to until God would fulfill his word in the fullness of time. We have been given a great gift in the gospel in our Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever our labors, we can now persevere trusting that God will fulfill all his good purposes when the time is exactly right for them to be fulfilled. Will you join me for a word of prayer?
Lord, we can only imagine at the excitement you have to reveal to us the glory that will be ours as heirs and children of your new covenant. As we wait for the moment of that revealing when we get to unwrap that glorious Christmas package, we ask that you would fill us with patience. Help us, O Lord, to persevere in our doing of good. Help us to persevere in our prayer. Help us to persevere in your word that it may strengthen and encourage our faith. Help us to lift up and encourage others as John Wesley did for William Wilberforce. And teach us, O Lord, that your way is perfect and your wisdom transcendent. This we ask in your precious name, which is forever Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Sleeping my presence, my life.